hello and welcome to another episode of In All Sincerity, the heart-to-heart podcast about connecting, communicating, and learning more about others. I'm your host, Dalen Turk. Uh, You may know me from other shows like Social Discord, 900 Things I Hate, and kind of all over the place on the Podcast Without Borders network, but uh, this is our third episode of In All Sincerity, and today I am joined by someone who, if you've heard the term, just a good old boy... This man is the definition of that term. Joining me today is Ryan Hanley. Ryan, thank you for joining me. How are you doing, Dale? I am good. How are you doing today? I can't complain. Just took an hour off so I could chat a little with you and uh, ready to have a conversation. Hey, well, I'm happy I could give you a break today. Sounds like you've been uh, pretty hard at work throughout the day. I was going to say, just started, uh, drove some school bus this morning and uh, got some fertilizer spread and now I'm ready to have a conversation and get this started. All right, let's do it. So Ryan, you're a rancher. Is that, is that, am I correct in saying that? I would say you could say farmer and rancher. Yeah, farmer, rancher. Yeah. Okay. And you're, y'all are um, out of Clinton, Clinton, Montana, right? Yep. Yep. 20 miles outside of Missoula, a little town called Clinton. About 400 people, probably a little bit more nowadays, probably oh. close to 1,000 if you want to do the outskirts of Clinton. Give yeah. or take. So so Ryan and I, we went to high school together, and we, we grew up in the same area. So I grew up in uh, uh, Piltsville and kind of the greater Bonner area, which is a handful of miles down the road from down the interstate from Clinton. Um, so uh, growing up in the same area, you kind of go into that outside of Missoula. You get to like... East Missoula, West Riverside, Milltown, Bonner, Piltsville, Tura, and then you get further out, and there's Clinton. Um, so a little bit more on the rural outskirts of uh, Missoula, Montana, where the University of Montana is. But Ryan, so you're on the Handley Ranch. It was a family ranch, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we started out, uh, actually, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, they bought a ranch out in Rock Creek. They started out there. It was an old dirt floor cabin. They bought, I don't know how many acres it was, but they started out in Rock Creek about eight miles up. Uh, they sold Rock Creek, and then my grandpa bought Swartz Creek, where we where we have our ranch now, and that's that's in Clinton. So that's where we're at now. We have about 300 acres here. We run about 40 head of cattle, and then we have another ranch out in Geraldine, Montana, um, and we where, another 120 out there. Where in the world is Geraldine? I have no idea where that is. So, uh... If you go to Great Falls, you would be going northeast to Fort Benton. It's about an hour drive from Fort Benton, give or take, maybe about 45. Once you hit Fort Benton, you go east. And it's about a 30-minute drive from Fort Benton, and it's in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we got we got a ranch out there, too, where we have some more acres now, and we have more cows out there, too. Right. So do you do you split your time pretty evenly between the two, or do you usually stick around at one most of the time? I usually stick around in Clinton. I mean, between me, my dad, and my brother, uh, one of us is over there. Seems to be every other week. So mm-hmm. we also have a, a ranch manager over there that he takes care of a lot of the stuff, day to day operation. Oh, okay. I got. You. So growing up, was was this something that you had your hands in growing up? You know, you were involved from. I mean, since you were little, I imagine you know helping out on the farm, helping on the ranch. Oh yeah, ever since I was what, uh, probably ever since I could work. So I would say probably since. So I've been I've been working on my on the family ranch for about my whole life. So yeah, I love that. Ever since I could work, fifth grade. Here yeah. we go. Let's let's get it. Growing up, you know, we've got um, a little bit of land there. Growing up, where we would keep our horses just down the road from our house, and you know, I remember being kids and setting fence posts. You know, we'd have the T stakes and doing the stretching the barbed wire and everything. And 
I, I think we're very lucky to have grown up in the environment, in the environment where we learned those things and we learned oh, yeah. that, that hard work, because I think even if you don't do that, you know, later on in life, I think you learn a lot from it and it, you can play that say, in everything you do. Learn what hard work is. And I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, I've been busting my butt for a while now and yeah, you just, you learn, I mean, you learn how to, how to work, work hard and you're, you're sweating toil. You get to see what you get out of it. Can you tell me one of your favorite memories growing up there on the farm, on the ranch? Oh yeah, a lot of dangerous memories, I guess. <laughs> a lot of dangerous memories. But we were riding four wheelers, not no helmets, just being stupid, and uh, me and my brother having a great time. And he he flicks the throttle a little bit too heavy and just topples me over, and I get up and I was I don't know what pit sweep, but just as soon as I can remember, popped up. Hop back on the floor with my brother. We just kept cruising along. And I had scrapes all over me, blood everywhere. We had a great time on that four wheeler. All the crap that you get yourself into. That's probably the most freest I've ever been when I was a little kid. Oh yeah, that was one of your favorite things to do. Oh yeah, just just hauling hauling butt around the ranch, just just flinging up dirt and having a great time with older brother driving four wheelers. Just yeah, just free man. You know. <laughs> How did what do you growing up as a kid? You know, watching. Um, you know, your, your father grow the ranch and grow the farm and, you know, watching them work. And what, what impact do you think that had on you growing up? I kind of want to be just like my old man, I guess, and mm-hmm. do exactly what he does. And I guess take it into the, the next generation. And hopefully that my kids one day want to look at me and say, man, that guy works hard. I want to be just like him and grow the ranch and just pass it on to the next generation. And hopefully when I die and I can look down and say, dang, I, I kept that going for the next generation. And I hope that just keeps on going and going and going until, until the meteor hits and all that, I guess. <laughs> I guess we'll see when that day comes. Yeah. So is yeah. that something you, you knew you wanted to do? You wanted to take over the ranch. You wanted to do what the family did. Oh yeah, exactly. Ever since I was a pep squeak, I guess I wanted to be a, a farmer cop. I wanted to be a farmer a cop. I was going to say, I guess this is, I forgot about like when I was a, I guess when I was a middle school, I wanted to be a farmer cop. I wanted to be a cop and then ranch on the side. And that's what I wanted my lifestyle to be. I that is, to be a cop and then have a hobby farm, I guess. That is the most small guess, town country thing I've ever heard in my life. I was going to say, my, yeah, ever since I was a little kid, what do you want to do when you want to be, when you want to grow up? And I, mean, I want to be a farmer cop, dad. What does that mean? I want to farm and be a cop. That's exactly so, what it sounds like. All right. Well, further explanation. Pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> I don't know. You don't understand this. Man, so I know. So you went to play football in college right up in Haver. Did did your grandfather or your dad, do they have college degrees? Yeah. So, well, so my grandfather, he, he didn't have a college degree. He essentially grew up ranching and farming off the land, loan off the land. Hey, he was, he was a pretty traditional in a, homesteader. In a dirt, yeah, they grew up in a dirt floor cabin. And then my dad, he he went to college, um, went to Wyoming. Mm. It was a community it's a good college still. Yeah. And then my grandpa father passed away, and he had to come back and run the ranch. Wow. So my dad didn't have a lot of experience. He had to come back and run. 300 acre ranch all by himself wow just like that because my grandfather died from a what was it leukemia wow so, uh, my goodness and he just had to come back and he had to bust his bust his butt and no excuses and 
from the 1950s been working. So, did he have any family helping him all? Was is he an only child? Him and uh, my aunt. My aunt went off to uh, to the University of Montana. She, she was around, but mostly it was just my dad and the hired man he had to hire. It was him and the hired man working away. Wow! I think he's uh, created quite a quite a successful ranch for uh, me and my brother to take over. Yeah, I think so, uh, I think y'all yeah. have turned out pretty well so far. <laughs> so, what, what did that mean to you when you got the chance to go to school and finish school, knowing that your dad had to give that up? I guess I was kind of there just to. Yes, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't really in this school. I didn't want to go. But my parents were like, "You need to go and you get your college degree." I was like, oh, why? just stay on the farm and said, you need to have an outside experience. You need to go see what life is. So I guess they really pushed me to go out and yeah. go to college. I really didn't want to go, but I, I learned a lot. Um, got a lot of cool friendships were made and still have those friendships and learned a lot and had a lot of fun experiences like everybody does in college. Mm-hmm. How do you think your, your um, experience as a rancher and a farmer right now would differ if you hadn't gone? If I hadn't gone to college, how would it change? Yeah, how do you, where do you, how do you, do you think it would have worked out all right? Do you think it was, it was I really that valuable? Nowadays, farming and ranching, there's so much new technology. Right. You almost, you got to learn it. You either learn it going to college or you just stay on the farm and you learn. You just go learn everything you need to learn. But going to college, you get the experience of going to college and you get to learn all that technology behind, mm-hmm. behind farm nowadays. Because there's, there's so much stuff that's, Intertwined in farming ranch nowadays with GPS, knowing what pounds your fertilizer or you need to put on your field and all that kind of stuff. There's just so much science behind it. Mm-hmm. I know. I, mean, I guess going to college really made me learn that because I was. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so just going to college is a great experience and I learned a lot going there. I've learned all the science behind farming and ranching, but I'm glad I'm back. I'm done with learning. I don't want to write papers anymore. Now, now you want to actually get your hands in the dirt and get to work. Yeah, I was going to say, learn, uh, learn by doing it now. So, what do you, what do you think is your favorite thing to do? Do you, do you prefer the farming side or do you prefer the ranching side of things? Well, I would say uh, the ranching side. When you when you pull a calf in the middle of winter when it's negative ten degrees outside, and then you come back when it's uh, October and you're shipping. And you see that same calf that's alive because you pulled it and uh, pulled it out when it was a breach price and you pulled it out and now it's a 600-pound calf and it well, should have been a dead calf. I mean, that's one of the most rewarding things you'll ever feel in life, I think. I mean, you save something and then now look how big it is and right. you made money off of it. Now, it's rewarding. I, I do have to ask you a technical question here. So I'm going to put you to the test a little bit because it's, it's something who I've, I've never had experience. You know, I, I grew up in a rural lifestyle. Like I, I dealt by, I don't have experience ranching and you know, I, I watch a lot of these shows. I mean the, the show, the ranch, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar, oh, yeah. um, yeah, so, you know, and all yeah, these yeah, yeah. different movies and whatnot. And it seems like every single time a cow needs to give birth, you know, vets got to reach their arm in and pull it out. Can, could cows just not naturally give birth? It seems like every single time they're having to do, is, is that because there's a specific complication? Like, well, or... I mean, most of the time you were pulling a, a calf, it's usually on a first time heifer. So that means a heifer means it hasn't had a calf before. And right. usually it's, it's a smaller animal and uh, 
you're pulling a full-size calf usually through a smaller hole, essentially. And usually heifers need more help. Okay. They don't know what they're doing. They uh, they just will stop but push. And so, I mean, most of the time, if you have our whole herd, we didn't have this summer, we didn't have to pull a single over this uh, winter. We didn't have to pull a single calf with our main herd. Wow. But we don't have any heifers in there. But with our heifer herd here in Clinton, we had to pull about 75% of them because they're just, they're so big and they've been eating too good, I guess. And <laughs> they're just, they were too big and we had to have to pull them out. I mean, there's always going to be complications. I mean, the ranch, like uh, what you say, they, they uh, dram- dramatize it a lot. I, 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 I yeah, I'm, I'm very certain. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I went, I checked every two hours when it's cold. And I mean, I pulled a lot of calves this winter, but I mean, you don't have to pull every calf. It's just with first time heifers and complications, that's usually when you got to pull. Mm-hmm. But cows will have calves by themselves normally. Mm-hmm. You just want to be there to save it if you have to. Right. If you can. Because, <laughs> I mean, we had three breach firsts this year with our heifers, and that's where a calf is turned around. So it's feet are coming, it's hind feet are coming first. So when a cow normally pushes it out, it pushes it, pushes it, pushes it, and then the milk cord breaks. Once it passes the pelvis, and that calf's head is still on the birth canal. And if you're not going to pull it out as fast as possible, that thing will take its first breath and drown it in uh, birthing fluid. Let's have wow. It. I mean, it's just, it's you have to pull, I would say, normally you have to pull probably one in every 25, normally. Have you, have you experienced a, a loss of a calf? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've done ever since I was what sophomore in high school so that was my first time i pulled a solo calf and what was that pulled, like your like, first God, time oh it pissed me off it's kind of like god god dang it what the hell am i doing and yeah. what did i do wrong and it's frustrating it still is frustrating now i mean there's a thousand dollars sitting on the on the ground dead and it's just it's hard to kind of there's a little calf little life that you could have saved and long all instead because you could you didn't get to it fast enough where you slept good and you uh, should have been checking I mean, it's just, you know, it's an awful feeling because, you know, it's money you're losing and it's, a, and it's a life that you could have saved and could have nurtured. I mean, it's it's not fun. I don't say by any means. You make, you make an interesting point there because, you know, you, you said there's a thousand dollars laying on the ground there, but it's, it's also a life that you can nurture and bring to life and give yeah. a good life. And, you know, we, we talk about ranching, I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's beef. Like, that's the ultimate goal. It's, yeah. it's beef. It's meat. But it, it sounds like you do have you really care about these animals and you have a connection with them. Um, is, oh, yeah. you I know, mean, it's, it's animal husbandry at its finest. I mean, when animal husbandry, oh, yeah. I've never heard that term. Oh, really? I was going to say, well, it's just animal husbandry. When you care for your animals, you, I mean, I don't like to get into the habit of liking them too much <laughs> or you get attached to fear. It was kind of, kind of eye opening after nine months of hanging out with this thing. You send it off to slaughter, and, and it's like I was crying my eyes out for oh, no. a few days because I didn't want to. I didn't want to get rid of my friend, but then now I'm one say desensitized. I I know what a beef animal is for, and uh, I mean I've still had that same feeling every time the calf comes out. I'm like it's joy when it's alive. It's like oh, good that was alive, and every time a calf comes out dead, it's just like God dang it, could have saved that. Could yeah, have been, could have been down here twenty minutes earlier and would have been alive still. So I mean, 
it's just a care for them, and you, you want to see them all alive if you can, because a dead calf is, is no good for anything. Mm-hmm. Do you do you only have cows on your ranch? Do you have any other animals that you? No, just just cows. Yep. And so what? Yep, I... What do you think is the most? What do you think is the biggest biggest misconception about ranchers and how they deal with their cattle? Like, what do you think something that is people think is just like, all right, well, that's not accurate. Biggest misconception, huh? We'll have to think about this. Um, the biggest misconception, I guess, with, I mean, I have been around a lot of ranchers that think they, uh, I guess the one I've heard is that they're just abusing their animals just to kill them in the, in the end. I right. mean, that's not, that's not right. I mean, ranchers love their animals and they love their livelihoods. And I mean, it's just wrong to say that, oh, you're just going to raise this thing up and go and kill it. You have no, you have no soul. I mean, no, it's, you're feeding America. Most people don't even know where their food comes from. And if people, if people uh, didn't have people like farmers and ranchers, they wouldn't be living the way they live now. They'd oh. be out tearing up dirt, planting seed in the ground, and, and hopefully that it doesn't freeze and kill your whole crop. Right. And with nowadays modern modern farming and ranching, it's you can live in million million population cities and not have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the biggest misconception is that farmers and ranchers are just cruel, evil people that are just misusing animals. I mean, just and, listen to you. you sound like an evil henchman. I mean, you just say I try to be, you know, <laughs> try. No, I mean, you, you think about it. I mean. Without farmers and ranchers, without agriculture in this country, like people, people will be back to having to do everything on their own. And I'm like, I know nothing about yeah. farming. I know nothing about ranching. I'm like, I, I don't, I couldn't give, you know, help a heifer give birth. Like, there's, there's just no way. And like, yeah, it's crazy to think about. I don't know if you know this stat that two percent of the United States are active farming and ranchers. So wow, that's interesting. Is providing for the other ninety-eight percent. That's fascinating, actually. And I don't know what it used to be. I thought, I think it was a hundred years ago. It used to be like fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I don't know if that's a if that's a true statement, but I can't remember. If, I learned about it in college, but right, I for, since forgot it, like always. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but as of now, two percent of the American population is actively involved. In agriculture, that's and like that would be putting dirt in the ground and watching it grow, and and also raising up cattle. That's really fascinating to hear because it, I think for a lot of people, it's so out of sight, out of mind. You know, you go to the store mm-hmm. and all right, there's a you know there's a stack of ribeyes there wrapped in plastic. Let's grab it. But it's like, well, where did you know where'd that come from? I mean, in your case, you were advertising on Facebook there that you had some beef for sale. And I, and I thought that was really cool to be like, I know this guy, like I've known him for years now. And I'm like, like, it's, it's cool to see this is directly where it's coming from. Say, direct to consumer is what we're trying to do. And we just got this started about four months ago. And I finally had the courage to put something out on Facebook and actually did pretty well. But yeah, the direct to consumer. And I think that's the, that's a great way to get the get people's eyes open like know where your food comes from because mm-hmm. most people don't know they couldn't sell you oh i'm getting that ribeye and it came from 
Clinton, Montana, and it, the cow's tag number was 737. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody knows that. I mean, I can tell you, I can go like, take a picture and show you what the calf looked in the when it was born and what it looked like right before it got butchered and now what it looks like in, in nice white packages. Right. Well, when you think about like how many, like, you know, you, the meat gets processed one and I get, you know, two pounds of hamburger. Like there's probably a good chance that that hamburger is meat from, you know, two different cows from two completely different ranches even. Yeah. You know? Well, it's probably that meat from your, that you get from a superstore is probably a hundred different, different right. cows. I would guess just That's... massively mass produced. It's, right. it's hard to, it's, I was going to say the farming mass producing there's it's, I don't know. You can watch it on YouTube and watch, watch all the cows come in and watch it all what the process is in mass butchering facilities. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of just an assembly line. Oh yeah. And, I like to, and it's, it's, that's how, you, that's how uh, America, that's how it has to be if we want to live the way we're living. So you, you mentioned, you know, so for those listening where uh, it's uh, April four or April 13th right now. Um, and you said about four months ago, you started to uh, try to do direct to consumer what before that were you just selling to companies was that just kind of the yeah, so process we still we, we still do so we uh we raise up our calves for about what would it be let me do the math with that <laughs> we, we're we calf out in uh about january and then we ship our cows out our steer calves out to south dakota to a feedlot in october so what would that be about Eight months, ten months, whatever it is. Anyways, so we we raise our calves up for ten months out of the year, and then we ship them over to a feedlot where they can fatten them up uh, for pretty inexpensive because they got all the corn over there, and they can feed them up and get them fat. Mm-hmm. And make is them that the best way to fatten up cows with with corn? Well, that's the cheapest way to do it. We gotcha. do it uh, actually. So you know, Kettle House Brewers, Brewers uh, yes. Brewery, yeah, absolutely. So we get our uh, our grain is their spent grain. So our cows that's, eat beer grain. That's so they might taste super cool. Yeah. That's awesome, so, actually. So that, that's a pretty yeah, cool so, way to, you know, get connected with, you know, community businesses and, I mean, re, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, reuse, you know, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, so we get our, we get, I don't know how many times, get two dump trucks usually a week. Wow. And we bring dark cows and that's what we finish them on. Because you can either finish them on grain we can finish them on grass. And I'm kind of biased for grain because grain is 10 times better. You get more fat content in the beef. It's probably unhealthier for you. It is unhealthier for you, but it tastes a lot better. <laughs> it is better. So a lot of people like last, a lot of people have misconceptions between grass fed and grain fed. Grass fed is solely grass. It's not going to get very fat. It's not going to get that grain flavor, that fat flavor in it. Right. Grain fed, it's poured on the grain and it's, it's eating good and it's getting fat and it has that nice marbling in your beef. And if, like I said, if you want healthy, healthy beef, you go grass fed. But if you want tasty beef, you get grain fed. So why do you think, because I, I think I see that a lot, um, especially in like these more organic or higher end, you know, beef packages that you buy at the store where there's a, you know, grass fed beef. Why, why do you think they market that so hard if it's, if it's not as good? <laughs> Well, it's healthier. I'll agree to that. And yeah. I guess it's, you could say it's more natural, I guess. Nowadays, it's more natural to uh, to have a cow just go out and graze on the grass for 10 months and 
you butcher it and then it's grass fed. It's the more natural way to do things because cows, they used to not have grain in their diet. They just go out in the pasture and they eat and they eat and they eat and then you butcher them and uh, you have a nice lean steak, but with grain fed, you pour on the grain for them and then they get nice and fat and you get a delicious steak. Like the Wagyu steaks, the what is it, hundred dollars a pound, whatever they're. Where, yeah, now. it's just they're like all, this super like intense yeah. marbling. Yeah, they're all grain fed, all that stuff. So, I guess it's the more natural way to do it with grass fed, but you're not going to get nearly the steak if you grain fed them. So, can I guess can you tell me a little bit about? Um, I guess the type of beef that you do. Um, like I, I hear all these different. You know USDA Prime and I, all this other stuff. What I guess what is your beef classified as? Well, I mean it all varies per cow, but normally we usually have choice. We don't get it USDA. We don't get it graded, but I would say our steaks would be in the choice range. Mm-hmm. So the USDA Choice Prime Select Choice. What is it? Prime Choice Select and then Standard. I think is the one below it. And there's also another three three uh, subcategories below that. And it also, it all really depends on the age of the animal and then the fat content. So right. prime is your nice, fat, juicy, high prime fat where it all just looks like white, just delicious Wagyu beef, essentially. Mm-hmm. Your choice is your normal, what you normally get at the grocery store. Pretty high hot fat content, good, good marbling. And then your select is pretty much no fat in the, in the meat and standards right. even below that. It's like there is no no uh, fat in the meat. So, it, I mean, it kind of sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like if, if you have a, a cow that's eating just grass, it's going to be, a, I mean, rated as lower quality. Well, I mean, it's not lower quality. I saw what you want. Do you want a nice okay. fat juicy steak or do you want... Do you want one that's lean? Uh, lean, not much fat in it. They're still going to be as tender as the other ones, but they just don't have the flavor in it because it's also taking concern of the age of the animal too. That's once interesting. You get, once you get past a certain, I forgot how much, what the, it's been a while since I studied all this stuff. <laughs> I should know it, but you know, you forget stuff, but past, I think, what is it? 12 or 18 months of age. You don't, you can't be in prime anymore. I'm right. I, I would have to, I would have to pull up. The, right. The uh, chart, but it all depends on your fat content and your age. So, so can, is yeah. this stuff, you know, with with your herd, you know, with your cattle, is this stuff you can kind of control? You know, just kind of with, I guess, unnatural natural selection of you breeding the cows and kind of choosing which oh, yeah. ones to so, go off of and whatnot. Right. So it all it's all really in your feeding routine, how okay. you're going to feed your animals. So. If you want to get them nice and high fat, high prime, you just let them eat that brewer's grain as much as they want, and they can have as much, I guess, as much candy as they want, <laughs> so to speak. And if you want to keep them leaner, you just feed them grass hay, and then once uh, spring hits, you throw them out in pasture, and you just have them fend for themselves on a uh, grass that's grown up on the on the range. Can a can a cow you get you... too fat? What was that? Can a cow get too fat? Oh yeah. But then you get in your high prime meat okay. areas. I mean, it can get too fat, but it all depends on what you're trying to get get out of your animals, I guess. Mm-hmm. You can get them as fat as possible, and they come out 
high prime, delicious looking steak, but you could also cut them off. But I mean, you're going to put so much food into them to get, get them that fat it starts to get expensive. Mm -hmm. Is this, is this harder to manage in different seasons? I mean, so for those who have never been to Montana, it is an incredibly seasonal place. Like you, you have very distinct fall, summer, winter, spring. Whereas down here in Texas, it's like fall and then summer. <laughs> like it, it's very like, right. I mean, it's, it's a mid April and we're like 90 degrees right now. I think in Montana, it was like in the forties the other day. Um, so, so is it, is it harder to manage these different things in the winter compared to the summer and the hotter seasons? Well, yeah, I mean, it's all seasonal really, cause it's all about the food availability, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you, you throw your cows out on pasture and then you're good. You don't have to really manage them. And then you just keep on pouring grain on them. They can eat on the pasture and they come out to the, to the grain bin the grain troughs and they keep on eating as much grain as they can they can go out and go out and eat uh grass on the pasture but on when it comes to late fall and winter there's no more grass out in montana there's usually two feet of snow mm -hmm. you know how it is oh yeah you still live here and uh then you gotta feed them uh grass you gotta feed them uh your uh whatever you got for hay and then you also how we do it we feed them the same grain to keep them fat and happy so i mean it all depends on the season um, you gotta, you just gotta keep them fed. I mean, any way you can. So, so it all depends on the season you do. What were you doing before that beer grain? I guess what, what gave you that idea to reach out to the brewery and do that? Well, we actually had our neighbor been doing it for, he's been taking their grain ever since they opened that, uh, big brewery out in Bonner. Okay. Um, and he was like, Hey, they're, they need another person to take all their grain because I don't have enough cows to feed it to. And. <laughs> about what was it, about a year and a half ago we we're like yeah heck yeah we'll do that and they just give it to us because it's either that or take it to the dump and, and you don't want to be just dumping that and putting more into the dump and throwing right. that up faster so we feed it to our cows they poop it out we take the poop and put it on our fields and i guess it's a the circle of life i guess out here but that's yeah, actually first grain and uh and that's just a really cheap way of getting your beef finished that's really, finishing, really cool. When I say finished, I guess probably people don't know what I mean. Finishing them means putting the last weight on them and getting them fat. Okay. And so you don't want to, because I guess you don't want to, I guess I probably haven't been, I haven't been describing this very well for people. You want to raise up your calves and you don't want to get them as fat as possible when they're babies. You want to let them grow up with their moms, eat the pasture, and then the last probably six months of their lives, four months of their life, you pack on the grain, get them mm. fat, and then you butcher them. Okay. That, that four to six months called finishing them on grain. So for, for the majority of the time, they have a pretty just natural growing oh, up yeah. life with... Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't explain this very well at all. I'm not very good at that. Anything, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, they. so we, we have our calves. They, they calve out in January. Um, they're out with their moms mm. eating hay. Till about spring so we're going to be putting out on pasture here in hopefully two weeks they go out on pasture live their life with their moms and then we take them off their moms once they're i guess young adults they're once they've had enough milk they don't need it anymore we take them off and then we start pouring them the grain mm -hmm. and at that point they're about 600 pounds ish 
what what I guess what's the average size of like your your cows finish? It's it's good to go off. What's what's the average weight that you guys usually have? Usually, you want to have them in between thousand to uh, it depends on the breed, but a thousand to thirteen hundred pounds usually. Mm-hmm. But I mean, some of our our older cows that have been around and had a, that we've been letting eat the grain, they can reach they can get pretty fat to like the eighteen hundred pounds, and that's just too fat. We <laughs> oh shouldn't be God. letting them get that fat. But if they just eat that grain, they just get so fat, and right? Fat and fat. But they still produce a calf, so we still keep them around. So, have you noticed since you switched to this beer grain? Have you noticed a higher fat content in your cattle at all? Uh, well, we used to uh, grain with uh, with grain from we used to buy payback grain. That's what we used to feed them to finish them on. Mm-hmm. So we used to grain them still, but I mean we we just couldn't do this amount of cows. Gotcha. So it's so expensive because each bag is like what. 12 bucks a bag and that adds so, up fast i was gonna say when they eat a bag every three days it's like you gotta you better be getting some good money out of these things right for it to be worth your while and so let's say let's say it's you're waking up what time do you wake up on just like an average work day well gotta wake up at about what would it be what time do we wake up about 5 30 all right we go i go cut meat at the market Oh, so you market. so you process your own meat? No, I just go cut. I cut the meat coming from the big kill houses there. Gotcha. I okay. Sell, I can't sell my my beef at a supermarket because I need to get so much more because I have so much extra costs mm-hmm. associated okay. with my cows. I can't sell it for as cheap as the grocery store. But I yeah, I go to the market every day. I cut meat there, and then I get to doing. Then I do school bus, and then so we own school bus company out here. Um, Wait, you guys own the school bus company? Yep. So <laughs> that we is... contract. We contract through uh, Clinton School, so we run four school buses for them. I had so. no idea you did. I, wow, that's something uh, new. There we go. Learning more people. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. As now, it's been getting pretty busy with springtime coming, trying to get some feed in the ground. It's been yeah. it's been hectic. Been doing some twelve hour, thirteen hour days. So what what fun. does a what does an average day on the farm on the ranch look like for you? Well, as of now, that every all the all the snow is gone. I wake up, get my morning chores done with the school bus and meat cutting, and I hop on the tractor and as of right now, I coil around in circles until it gets about dinner time, and I hop off, and then I do it all again. <laughs> do it so I'm all again. On the for sometimes seven hours a day, just spinning around trying to get the ground ready for seed. Mm-hmm. And so aside from the fact that, you know, it's, it's your living and, you know, you got to make money somehow, wh- what is it each day? You know, you, you, like you say, you get up and do it again the next day. What, what keeps you going? What makes you do it? I guess once you, uh, you see the final product, cut, everything comes up, you cut it, you put it all in underneath the shed, all the bales underneath the shed. Just that end product is just so satisfying for me. You just look at that, all your hard work, your end product, you got your haystacks, you got your cows, you got everything that's just you, without you, none of it would happen. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be sustainable. And you just, that satisfaction is knowing what it's all going to, all the work is going to come out. That your hard work is going to come out, just, you're going to make yourself money and it's just satisfying to know that 
every day and you work your butt off and everything will be good. Essentially, if it doesn't, I guess if it doesn't hail and kill every all your off off or some other act of God, mm-hmm. I guess. But it's just <laughs> satisfying, man, seeing that all your hard work pay off. No, that's that's fantastic. I I can definitely relate to that, and it's it's wonderful to hear that you know you're you're doing so well and you're you're really genuinely enjoying it. That's that's really wonderful to hear. Um, we are coming up on time here at the end of the show, but. Um, as we talked a little bit about earlier, you're starting your direct to consumer um, with your beef product. Um, would you like to plug a little bit? How can uh, somebody in the local area get a hold of you to buy some beef from you? Well, if you want to get a hold of me uh, to buy some beef, you can get me on my cell phone. It's probably the easiest way. Give me a call or text at 406 544 9172. Give me a call or text on that number, and uh, we can you can either order two pounds or you can order a whole beef. I don't really, I don't really discriminate. I'll get you whatever you want. Uh, so give me a call on that number. Um, I will hook you up and I'll try and get you the best quality beef I can. There we go, folks. Give him a call, get your beef, get your meat local, know where your food is coming from. Ryan, I want to thank you so much for joining me. I learned a lot. Um, like I said, I've never really dealt with ranching or farming hands on. So, um, it was, it was really fascinating to, to hear your journey and hear about what you've got going on there on the Hanley Ranch. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate awesome. it. Uh, if you all want to get a hold of us, send us uh, an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can check out the website, podcastwithoutborders.com, Podcast Without Borders on Facebook and Instagram, where I don't post anything on Instagram, so follow Facebook. That's the best route to go for social media. Uh, but yeah, stick around for episode number four. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of jujitsu, so uh, listen in next week. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for listening to In All Sincerity. If you want to find out more about our show and other shows on the Podcast Without Borders network, make sure you check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. If you want to contact us, send us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram so you can see all of our updates on our shows and what's going on at the network. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all in the next episode.